People remember it's uh, kids camp time. The band's going to take a seat. And uh, if the kids want to stay here, they can stay here. That's good, too. We're just glad they're here. Well, just to get you kind of ready for uh, for today, and uh, we've been talking about, you know, God's epic story, how incredible, you know, the story is that God is at work, and, and we feed into that story. And last week we recognized there's a villain as part of the story, and today we move the story uh, forward. So to get, get ourselves kind of in the right mindset, watch the screen if you would, and uh, just think how awesome God is, will you? Watch the screen. Brace yourself. I will question you. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Have you comprehended the vast expanses? Surely you know. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of deep shadows? Tell me if you know all this. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Can you bring forth the constellations and their seasons? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set God's dominion over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorms? Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Tell me if you know all this. Is God awesome or what? I mean, did you just catch some of that stuff? You were watching that, right? Isn't that amazing stuff? Yeah, can we all get on, on one, start out, get on one page today and agree that God is like incredibly awesome? Huh? Are you with me on that? I'm not hearing no votes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, God is incredibly awesome. Isn't just convince yourself of this. Turn to somebody next year around you tell them, God is awesome, will you? All right, I love that enthusiasm there. You know, God is awesome. Yeah, he's really, wow. No, I mean, God is incredible. I mean, think about it. God is so awesome and incredible. Now, follow it up. Don't you also agree that angels are equally incredibly awesome? I mean, think about the angels that were in the Scripture. and how I mean, one angel of the Lord laid waste to an army of men who were God's enemies, right? I mean, the angels showed up and incredible things happened and the epic story moved forward. Angels are awesome. Are you with me on this? Angels are awesome, right? Get with me. You ready? Turn to somebody around you. Tell them, angels are awesome. Oh, I get a little better there. Thank you very much. Absolutely. They are awesome. Now... You ready for this? Here's the deal. We're all on the same page. God is awesome. Angels 
are awesome. You were created to be just as awesome. You were created to be just as awesome. Let me show you in Scripture. If you go to Genesis 1, and we go into the uh, creation account, and I want you to notice the the emphasis in here about uh, the word image, okay? Uh, Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. You see that? To be like... Were you created to be awesome? We just agreed. Come on, we're all on the same page. God is awesome. Angels are awesome. We just read that we were created to be like... Yes? We are created to be awesome. If you need... If you need to get that, I mean, God doesn't want you to miss it. He goes on to repeat it. He said, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry around the ground. Now notice in verse 27, he repeats it so you don't miss it. So, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Did you see three times in the text, he said you were made, what? In the image of God, to be like Him. You were created to be awesome. You were created to be awesome. You need more affirmation. The psalm, uh, psalmist understood this. If you go to Psalm 8, he says it really clearly. Psalm 8. You, God, made us a little lower than yourself. And you have crowned us with glory and honor. He just told you, you were created to be awesome. You were created to have the possibility and the potential to be a representative in the image of God. You were created to be absolutely as incredible as God and the heavenly hosts. You were created in that image which allows you to be crowned with glory and with honor. That's what God created you for. The psalmist again in Psalm 139 shows how God intimately wove himself into us. How, how he tenderly participated in the experience of weaving us together. Psalm 139 says, You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I, I know this very well. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days are planned for me that were written in your book before I was one day old. How invested is God in shaping and fashioning and getting his image into who you are? Awesome, isn't it? You see, you were created for the purpose of being God's reflection in the world. You were created to be awesome and to live a life crowned with honor and glory. You say, okay, I got it. God's awesome. Angels are awesome. I was created to be awesome. Turn to somebody and remind them, you were created to be awesome, will you? All right. Did they believe you?
<laughs> yeah, now what happened there? How come they just got to say, oh, yeah, sure, I was created to be awesome. Okay, right, yeah, sure, right, right. Wow. How come we don't believe that? How come it's so hard for us to take that biblical truth into us and understand? Yes, indeed. Because, remember, a villain got involved in the story. A villain got involved in the story. And when the villain got involved in the story, our attention was turned away from God's epic in our lives. When the villain got involved, our attention was turned away and we lost our focus on how awesome God created us to be. And we became something He never created us to be. Ready? If you go to Genesis 3... It's the experience of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and the fall when Eve took the apple. And it says, uh, here's what happened to Eve and to Adam. The woman stared at the fruit. Stop there. What did she do? She stared at the fruit. Fruit. <laughs> fruit. This is what I'm thinking. Fruit. Eve. Eve. No. Fruit. Forget it, God. Fruit. I'm thinking fruit. Nothing else gets involved. I'm not listening to anything else. I don't want to be bothered by anything because I am focused and staring at what? Fruit. What did she just do? She just moved her focus from being this incredible creation, the reflection of the image of God, and turned all her attention from focusing on a relationship with the living God to fruit. Right? Her focus. Fruit. And then she changed who she was from being that which was created to reflect the image of God to receive this from God. Look what she does next. She looks at the fruit. She says, I look beautiful and tasty. And then what? She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. And she ate some of the fruit and her husband was there with her. So she gave some of the fruit to him and he ate it too. She stared at the fruit. She lost her focus and she focused on the fruit. And then she became a wanter. Do you see that? It says she wanted. She wanted the fruit. She wanted the wisdom. Now she was no longer a receiver of what God was already ready to give her. Instead, she wanted. See, that's what happens to us. We don't believe it because we know who we are inside. We know there is this part of us in there that is a wanter. I want. Parents, when you get your children and they come out of the box, do you have to teach them how to want? Absolutely not. They come out of the box saying what? Watch them at the grocery store. You know at the checkout counter? Yeah, at the grocery store, at the checkout counter, where all those things are put at kids' height, right? And the little kids go out of there and they stare at the fruit. I mean, not the fruit in the produce section. I mean the chocolate stuff, right? They stare at the fruit. And what do they say? I want. Right? I want. <laughs> oh, I want. Mom, I want. Dad, I want. I want. You see what happened to us? We moved from being the receiver of the image of God to becoming a wanter. I want. I want success at all expense regardless if it costs my family or not. I want. 
I want to be popular at school and I'll do anything it takes. I want. I want to have a relationship that's exciting and vibrant with this man or that woman. And even if it costs my marriage, I want it. I want. I want this. I want that. I want those things. I want, even though God says, honor him first and bring the tithe into the storehouse. But I want. I want, I want, I want, I want. Right? You see how we move? We stare at the stuff. And then we become wanters. We stare at the stuff. And we lose the image. Look what happens to Adam and Eve in the next part of Genesis 3 when God tries to come back into their life. It says, The Lord called out to the man and asked, Where are you? The man answered, I was naked, and when I heard you walking through the garden, I was frightened and hid. What's now directing him? His relationship now with God is based on fear. You see that? He's moved his focus from being a receiver of this incredible relationship with God to becoming a person who lives captured by fear. Well, how did you know you were naked, God asked. Did you eat any of the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden? Uh, It was the woman. It was the woman. She did it. It was the woman did it. You put her here with me. It was the woman, you know. You had never heard that before? He becomes now a blamer. Huh? A blamer. Guys, we become blamers. Ladies, you're not far off. Look what happens next. The Lord then asked the woman, What have you done? The snake. It was that dirty snake. The snake did it. It wasn't me. It was the snake, you know. If you hadn't had that snake in the garden, it was the snake. I didn't do anything. What happens to us? We move away from being those receivers and we become those wanters who stare at the stuff and we blame everything else on everybody else. Not me, it's my boss. Not me, it's those people at the workplace. Not me, it's everybody else. Not me. Am I the only one that experiences that? You see what happens to us? We were created to be these incredible, awesome expressions of God in the world. And instead, we stare and we trade it all to become wanters who live in this fear and blamers who focus on somebody else with the blame. And our image gets cracked. The image that God wants us to have gets cracked. You know how when you're driving your car and uh, all of a sudden this large stone comes up from the back of that truck that you know you're following too close, right? And the stone hits the windshield and it cracks the windshield. And what happens? It just puts this little crack, this little divot in there, you know, and then that crack spiders out, right? Yeah. And then every time when you get in the car and you're behind the wheel, the crack can be up in the corner, it can be down here, it can be over there. And where does your eye always go? You can't drive without seeing the crack, right? I mean, you you look and the crack is always there. You see, when we look in the mirror, 
We know this biblical truth about ourselves. We know we were created for this, but we traded it all. And now we live as cracked people. We live with this this broken, marred part of us. It's for us just like it was for Adam and Eve. Romans 5, Paul reminds us that this is a thing that just goes on and on. He says in Romans 5, Yet death still had power over all who lived from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. This happened, not, this happened, though not everyone disobeyed a direct command from God as Adam did. See, we just all got wrapped up in this whole experience, and it just keeps moving on in time. It's part of the reality of being broken people in a broken world. What do we need? We need a hero. Right? I mean, every story that has a villain also has a counterpart who is a hero. We need a hero to step in. We need a hero to step up and rescue and save. We need a hero. I mean, think of your heroes. Who are your heroes from growing up? Superman. Batman with all his toys. Indiana Jones. James Bond. Shaken, not stirred. Right? Aaron Brockovich. Rooster Cogburn. And who could forget Lassie? Right? Heroes! They always came in, and the villain, and they always came in, and they rescued, and they saved. But you notice something about all of those heroes, as awesome as they were? None of those heroes died to rescue. You have a hero. And this hero loved you so much, He would die for you. This hero would enter into the story of this world's experience and the story of your life, and he would be ready to shed his blood and to die for you. Romans 8. But God showed how much he loved us by having Christ die for us, even though we were sinful. And that makes all the difference. Our hero steps into the story of this world experience and he lays down his life for us. And because he lays down his life, we have the opportunity of getting our image back. Why? Because of who he was. He wasn't just any hero. If you look in in the, the scripture and you go into Colossians 1, There's a great, great verse there. You ready? Verse 15. Just notice the first couple words there. The Son is the, what? Image of the invisible God. What did we lose? We were created in the image of God to be awesome, crowned with glory and honor. But we lost the image. We got cracked and marred and broken and we lost the image. And it took a hero to come in and step in and lay down his life for us and be that image that none of us could be. He stepped in to be everything that we were failing to be. He stepped in and laid down his life and was perfect in being obedient to the Father and staying focused on what God wanted. He was obedient in everything. He was the perfect expression of the image of the presence of God. Colossians tells us, 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And as you listen to this, think about how majestic this all sounds now. Think about how this all sounds like another story of creation happening all over again. The firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He may have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. He was the perfect image crowned with honor and glory for each one of us. And because of Him, our image can get restored. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ and you say, I'm going to move my focus from the fruit, I'm going to move my life from being an I want, to instead back to that relationship that focuses on Christ, that focuses on being a receiver of everything that He can bring, then what He brings, He brings back the image. You ever have that windshield repaired? You know, the the windshield's got the crack in it, right? It's got that crack in it. It's got little spider things in it. And they come out and they, and they put this little stuff in there in this cup and they heat it all up. And when it's all done, what do you see? It's gone. It's like it never existed. Right? It's gone. The blemish is gone. It's like it never existed. Now you know. You know the crack is still there. But it doesn't appear. You know Deep in that glass, there's still this crack, but it doesn't show. When Christ comes into our life and we get back to being focused on Him, that crack, that crack gets covered. It gets covered by His blood. If you go into Colossians 1, it's exactly what it says. It says in verse 21, non. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That's the focusing on fruit stuff, and I want. But now, okay, something's changed. A Savior has come. A hero is present. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death to present you holy in His sight without what? Blemish. You see that? The crack. What happened to the crack? He sees us now without blemish. He looks at us through Christ. And we're without blemish. We're free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and don't move from the hope held out in the gospel, it's like the crack never existed. We were created to receive and live that image. And we have a hero who brings us that image back. Look at Ephesians 1. Paul says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for the spiritual blessings that Christ has brought us from heaven. Before the world was created, God had Christ choose us to live with Him and to be His holy and innocent people. 
you were recreated in Christ to be in the image, crowned with glory and honor. You were recreated with Christ like the crack doesn't exist so that your life can be more than you dream, so that your life can be everything God created you to become. Need the last piece of evidence? Go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1.